for three, two, one. Good afternoon. Welcome to the weekly edition of The Wrap. I'm Laura Leslie, WRL Capital Bureau Chief. And I'm Travis Fain, WRL State Government Reporter. And it has been one heck of a week at the legislature. Uh, I could have sworn that when they were getting ready for session, they said they weren't going to take up any big bills. They were just going to kind of do the budget and go home. And that certainly went by the wayside this week. Well, at least for the Senate, the, that kind of remains the House position, interestingly enough. But the Senate is uh, just sending them this and that and the other. Uh, Medicaid expansion, of course, medical marijuana, both passing the Senate uh, this week and both non-starters in the House, I guess. If you had told me that we would be sitting here watching the House pass Medicaid expansion and medical marijuana on the same day, even two years ago, I would have told you, you're you crazy, you know, but I mean, but here we are. And and not just passing it, but I mean, you know, one thing that really spoke to me was during the debate on the, Medic- the Medicaid expansion bill with Senator Berger. You know, he he was presiding because the lieutenant governor wasn't there, came down and spoke uh, on the floor in favor of the bill, which wasn't that unusual. He does that, uh, but indicated he would fight for this bill with the House. Not They're not just passing. The Senate is not just passing Medicaid expansion. That is, you know, the leader of the Senate Republican caucus saying, hey, 120 people on the other side, get after him. I'm going to get after him. Let's make this happen and we're going to push it. I asked him on uh, yesterday, actually, what that what that looks like for him. And he said he would be talking to groups of lawmakers in, um, in the House and trying to trying to win them over to his position. So, I mean, it does sound like he's actively planning to lobby this one. Yeah. And I mean, the, the big the looming question is how much of this gets thrown into the budget? You know, do you do you put Medicaid expansion, whatever else you want, into the state budget and then say, all right, it's a take it or leave it deal? Uh, I know that's on the table. I, I've been told that decision has not been made or at least it had not been made as about a week ago. But, I, you know, of course, they. They don't tend to share their uh, interchamber strategy sessions with reporters. And I'm not sure how successful that would be this year, because as as, as Senator Berger himself pointed out the other day, um, they do all have a budget in place and they could just leave the budget where it is and go home. You know? Yeah. And the, the, the last budget so loaded up with pork. I mean, you know, the, probably a bunch of local people can't even spend the money they got yet. So uh, though it would be nice to be able to announce some projects before November general elections, I would think, for people. Yeah. It would. And uh, speaking of general elections, um, we <clears throat> had a, a, a proposal this week from Senate Democrats to um, that was filed along with a whole package of other kind of tax relief, um, you know, ch- changes uh, that would uh, uh, basically issue a two hundred dollar tax gas tax rebate check. Sorry, it's a mouthful. Two hundred dollar check to every licensed driver in this state, 18 and over. that would go out through the Department of Revenue to offset what they're paying in gas prices, the average driver for uh, this, you know, for about six months of this year. So, I mean, that was proposed by um, Senator Dan Blue and some of the members of, you know, the Senate Democrats. Uh, we did ask Senator uh, Berger about that yesterday. He said, he said he's heard some people talk about maybe possibly some kind of a rebate, but he does not think it will be tied to the gas tax. Yeah, and I just want everybody to try to imagine in their head the BMV and the Department of Revenue trying to put their heads together on how to get $200 only to people who own cars in this state. That does not sound like the most efficient distribution of money I can think of. No, you don't have to own a car. You just have to have a driver's license. Okay. So I, I think there's the same issue there. I, I, I don't disagree. I don't and, and I mean, this is one of those, you know, what, one of the questions I always ask in these press conferences and I'm typically asking the Republicans is, well, have you talked to any Democrats about it? You know, have you talked to any Republicans about it? And if the answer is no, uh, and I guess I haven't asked it on this one, I want in the press conference, but I don't think it's got any Republican sponsors. So you, you, you wonder, 
is it something you're trying to get done and think you can get done? Or is it something you want to try to get done and then say, you see what they blocked? Like I said, it's speaking of election season, right? right? I mean, either way, this works out well, right? Either a $200 check works out well, or being able to say you try to get it and you were blocked. That works out well, too, for the Democrats. So, uh, however, they are definitely not, they don't have the upper hand in terms of the election chess game that is this week. Uh, because the the Senate uh, leadership rolled out the um, the Parents' Bill of Rights, which has campaign season written all over it. Um, and that went through the, uh, the Senate, I think it was Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday? No, Wednesday and Thursday. No, it was just Wednesday. It passed the Senate on Wednesday. Almost all on party lines. There was one... One Democrat voted for it, and I believe that was Clark. Senator Ben Clark was the one who voted for it. Yeah, and it'll go over to the House, and you know, I, I assume it'll be much the same story over there. And then the governor will veto it, and then you know, we'll you know, statement over here, statement over there, and we'll move on with our lives. I think, uh, and it will be, of course, an, an issue in the November elections because you know, one of the reasons stuff like that doesn't pass in this state right now is we have a Democratic governor. We have one of the reasons that it gets put forward is we have a Republican legislature and, uh, you know, there's only one side of that math that can change in November. And I don't think it's going to change. I think we're going to continue to be a divided government state, but boy, that 2024 gubernatorial election, that looms large on social issues. It does. It does. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I don't know about the, you know, I was told by a member of the Senate this week that, that, that um, a Democrat member of the Senate, I should say, um, that they think the House will take up that uh, Parents' Bill of Rights and run with it. But it sounds like um, Speaker Moore yesterday talking to reporters didn't signal um, quite that much eagerness about it. So, uh, you know, as as you point out, the, the House has been pretty steadfast in saying we're not going to take up any of these big bills. I guess the question, as you pointed out, is do, do some of these become bargaining chips in the, in the budget process, as usually happens? Um, you know, especially with Senator Rabin's bill. I mean, we have to just talk about that medical marijuana debate for a second. That was so emotional. I mean, Senator Rabin was his, his voice was breaking up on the floor almost, talking about, you know, just you know his personal experience and how much this bill means to him, and um, passed thirty-five to ten bipartisan vote with two Democrats and eight Republicans against. It was not on party lines, so you know it's it, it's hard to see how they decide that that's enough and they don't want to push to have that one heard. Yeah. And North Carolina is not exactly in the vanguard of this issue. No, 37 other states have legalized it. Yeah. And so the the concerns are a little hard to to, to fully grasp other than kind of a fear of this drug and a fear of what happens, you know, if your constituencies don't like it, particularly for conservative lawmakers. You know what it makes me think of about I think back in 2018, somewhere in there, we passed one of those right to try bills. Mm-hmm. And that's for people who are, you know, essentially on their deathbed or very close to it, uh, to right to try experimental medications. And I don't know that I've heard a good, ar- heard a good argument of why that logic doesn't extend to medical marijuana. And I imagine the answer is, well, medical marijuana gets you high, which I guess, I guess we're against for reasons that are not fully articulated when you think about what we do allow in this country. Uh, yeah. And I'm thinking specifically there of alcohol. Yeah. But uh, be that as it may, it, it, it does not look like it's going to move forward this year. Well, I did a story today. It'd be on the air tonight, actually. Um, and it should be online here before this goes online, actually, um, about one of the veterans who are planning to come back and make a full court press on the House. So part of the, um, the really powerful part of the testimony that happened last year as the um, medical marijuana bill was sort of going through committee and committee and committee in the Senate 
was testimony from a group of veterans who came in and talked about big advocates for medical marijuana who talked about its use for PTSD. And, um, you know, that was certainly brought up on the floor during the Senate debate on Thursday as well. And, you know, they they've heard, as everybody else has heard, that the House is less supportive of the measure and they're planning to come back next week and try to change some hearts and minds over in the House Republican caucus and see if they can at least get the thing up to the floor for a vote. Because I think if they took it up for a vote, my sense is that it would pass. There would be enough support on both sides of the aisle. It would not be a party line vote. But um, but, you know, right now, you know, the rules are at least the rules they seem to play by are that if it's not supported by a majority of the caucus, it doesn't go to the floor. Yeah, I mean, there's some things where leadership just protects the, the issue or protects a portion of its uh, caucus that doesn't want an issue to be to, to be to be voted on. So there are a number. I mean, I think of the SAVE Act, which is the one that says uh, advanced practice registered nurses can do more things without a doctor's supervision. That's part of the Medicaid bill we were talking about earlier. I looked that up. That's got 75 sponsors in the North Carolina House. That's enough to pass right there. Uh, and, you know, I don't know the great argument for not bringing bills to the floor in your chamber if they have enough votes to pass. Just on the sponsors. You, except you just don't want to do it. Like, you just don't want to do it. Um, so it, it happens, certainly. Um, Let's talk about PFAS for a minute. Let's talk about PFAS. Did you listen to that meeting? I listened to some of it, and I All read right. Brian. Well, that's Anderson's. one of us. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I listened to. I read some of Brian Anderson's uh, excellent coverage. Our colleague here at WRL, and I mean, basically, if everybody is familiar with Keymores, it is down in Cumberland County. It sits near the Cape Fear River. It has been for decades putting chemicals into the river that have washed down to Wilmington and gotten to the drinking water there. And what we're primarily concerned about is the stuff called PFAS. You may hear it called a forever chemical because it just doesn't break down. Like you think plastic lasts a long time. This is kind of like that. It just, it stays in the water and it is very difficult to get out of the drinking water. So if you have a bunch of PFAS in the river and you test it and you say, oh, it's got this much. And then you test your drinking water they're going to be real similar numbers unless you spend millions and millions and millions of dollars on specific types of systems. Also, these things might cause cancer. Probably ought to mention that. And so what the bill would do is make Chemors and other companies like it pay for those systems, pay uh, and to avoid large hikes in water prices. Uh, I think 8% and 18% were thrown around as prices uh, increases for customers down in the Wilmington area. That got a hearing this week. Uh, it was pretty, I mean, also fairly emotional. Don't know that it's going to move forward. It's another one of these quote unquote big bills. All of a sudden we get worried about big bills uh, when, when we don't necessarily want to move forward on them. But that's sitting in the House. I believe Ted Davis is the sponsor. He's a New Hanover Republican. Right. I mean, and that bill also has a lot of bipartisan support. But what it doesn't have the support of is the business community. Right. Um, and that's, you know, the folks that are looking at this as, you know, a red flag for, you know, other industries, other things coming down the road, possibly, um, and saying, you know, we just don't support the idea of the state holding folks liable and making them pay for cleanup, which to me seems like what the law should already require. But I guess um, in this particular case, I guess they sort of don't have the teeth to force um, force the polluter to pay for, for the damage. Well, and these, the, these, these chemicals, they're called emerging compounds. So they're not as as well studied or as classified as a lot of things. And a lot of environmentalists will tell you that we've kind of got it backwards the way we do things where, you know, we say, all right, you can put it into the into the environment if it's not on this list of bad things. 
as opposed to, well, we, we kind of want you to prove this isn't a bad thing. It seems like it should be a whitelist, not blacklist situation, right? There are plenty of people who would like to see that that process reversed. Um, and I'll leave it to people whether they think that makes sense. Right. And one other key part of that bill is that it would um, create a PFAS standard. And there are not very many states in the country, actually, if there are any, I, I don't can't think of them off the top of my head, that actually have a PFAS standard in place. North Carolina seems to have a, a more persistent problem with it, sort of statewide, than a lot of other states do. So perhaps they're looking at North Carolina to be the one to start it. But, um, you know, it is... It, it, it will be interesting to see, you know, whether any part of that bill survives, even this. And just, and just one more thing on this, everybody bring you some joy on a Friday. You have this in your blood. Everybody's got it in their blood. It's in nonstick cookware. So if, you know, you scratch, that's why you're not, not my Teflon. To, that, that's, that's why you're not supposed to scratch, you know, the, the cookware oh. with a, a metal. Uh, now they tell me this, right? It, it is it is become very much like plastic microplastic it's in everybody it's in everything so i mean just because you address it in drinking water uh society's desire my desire everybody's desire for these products means it is fairly ubiquitous in the world so what are you watching for next week ah that's a good question we have not had our uh next week discussion yet laura and i'm off two days so i'm not entirely sure Oh, that's right wait a minute that's right you're off two days well there's a couple of things that i'm watching um one of them on tuesday the house banking committee is going to hold a meeting about um um, they call it like the medical debt de-weaponization act or something like that and i think last time i checked it was a discussion only uh but i understand um senator fall sorry not senator falwell that would be Treasurer Falwell, who's going to weigh in on it. He's He's been pretty active on this, as has Josh Stein, you know, in terms of um, hospitals pursuing people into bankruptcy for medical debt when they really should be falling under charity care guidelines. Um, so it's another one of those bipartisan issues, although it may be another one of those big bills, as you say, that nobody wants to take up in a short session. Uh, but it's certainly, you know, it'll certainly be interesting to, to hear that. And then... Um, on Thursday, there's the, the subcommittee of government ops that um, looks that oversees the interscholastic athletics. They're going to have a meeting where they're going to, as far as we understand, they're going to be looking at how that bill from last year has been implemented. H91, that was the bill that governed, set some basically set some guidelines for the High School Athletics Association, made them work with the school board, the state board of education, I should say, um, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, that's what we understand is happening Thursday. And so there was a lot of interest in that bill last year. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what the reports are about how it's being implemented. That's right. And just for people's weekend plans, I hosted on the record our Saturday, 7 p.m., maybe delayed a little bit by golf, but Saturday, 7 p.m., I had Speaker of the House Tim Moore and uh, House Democratic Leader uh, Robert Reeves on if you're a casual follower, you, you, you'll probably learn some things. If you follow this stuff every day, eh, it might be one or two things, but I, you know, I'm not going to tr- try to blow it up for you. Uh, the speaker did say, confirmed, that they will redraw congressional maps. That's something we all expected. I mean, I maybe even went beyond expected to say we knew. He said they might do it in December, so after the November elections, but before a new General Assembly is seated. Uh, his logic there, or at least his stated logic, is that this it is this particular general assembly's this year's uh, version of it it is their responsibility to draw it even though the court uh, threw it out so hmm. i that's interesting uh because i actually asked senator berger specifically whether there's a chance that any of these bills that they've moved this week that the house doesn't want to see to take, does not seem to want to take up this month 
whether there would be chance of them coming back later in this year to handle some of those bills. And he kind of said, yeah, I don't think there's a lot of appetite for that. So I don't know. Although with redistricting. Sounds to me like Senate and House are not, not meshing these days. Yeah. It makes it a little entertaining, but it also makes it kind of confusing. I, I feel like I'm missing several pieces to the puzzle uh, on why the house has become so unwilling to take up some of these bills and why the Senate has kind of flipped the switch on Medicaid expansion, for example, I, I, I feel like I have not seen the full picture. Uh, if you have that full picture, give one of us a call. Please. Absolutely. We'd love to talk to you. Um, I think that's it for us for the week. Yeah, that, that works for me. All right. Well, enjoy your weekends, everyone. And thank you for joining us here on The Wrap. We'll see you next week. All right. We did it. Oh, I wasn't recording. No, I'm kidding. Kidding. No, I would have noticed. Kidding.